a restaurant unstoppable episode 148 are you ready for it factors success stories failures and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge then join eric cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable Yo, what is going on, all you unstoppable restaurant professionals? It is your host, Eric Cacciatore. It is Tuesday, which means it's Talking Tuesday. And today we're talking about a book that's been mentioned a whole handful of times on the show. Uh, I just went through the notes and um, all the books that are recommended on the, the books page. And I counted at least four times it was mentioned and uh, recommended by our past guest. So it was just a matter of time before I got my hands on it and I read it. And uh, today I just want to share with you a summary of that book uh, and kind of just give you an idea of what that book's all about. So a little more information on this book. The author is uh, Ken Blanchard and Spencer, or the authors, I should say, Ken Blanchard and Spencer Johnson. Uh, The original copy of this book was published in 1982, and it has sold more than 13 million copies and is translated into 37 different languages so i mean this is kind of a real deal book it's been circulating out there for now over 30 years and has helped thousands and thousands of small businesses in fortune 500 companies so uh basically all i want to do today is just give you a summary of this book uh to give you the biggest takeaways and we shouldn't take more than 15 minutes is my goal we'll see if we go over that (laughs) we probably will because i talk too much but anyway um Really, what this book is, what's happening in this book is there's this man, this young man is who they call him. Uh, I think that's the only name he has in the book. But he has this mission to uh, interview all these successful managers and uh, to find out what it is about these successful managers, their characteristics, their habits. Kind of sounds familiar. It's really similar to what I'm doing with Restaurant Unstoppable, but with specifically, you know, focused towards the restaurant professional. But, um, just because of these reasons, this book really resonated with me. Um, and in the story, uh, basically, he, the young man, is told to talk to uh, one of the professionals in his community who they refer to him and they call him the one minute manager. And he's just this really successful, really admired person in the community. So in the book, he sits down with the one minute manager and uh, he, it's just. You're right there with these two guys talking, and what happens is this one-minute manager tells him, you know, I could tell you everything, but why don't I just uh, put you in touch with the people who I've trained, and they can tell you about all the secrets that uh, I've taught them, and they'll they'll teach you the secrets. And today, I'm going to teach all of you listening the three secrets uh, to being a one-minute manager. So... Before I drop these uh, bombs of knowledge on you and I share the, the three secrets, I want to lay down some some groundwork, some foundation so you understand why, uh, you know, what the purpose of this book is and what they're trying to do. And basically the whole concept of a three, or sorry, a one minute manager is that 
we live in a world today where things are happening fast and so many moving parts in our day, so many variables come into our day that we need to be efficient with our managing style. And also, we need to manage and lead in a way that uh, allows the people who are working underneath us have their higher needs being satisfied, the needs of just feeling like they're working towards goals and contributing to something greater and they don't want to feel like, you know, you're hovering over them all the time. They don't want to feel like their work doesn't mean anything. So, uh, this technique, the one minute manager technique basically allows you to do your job extremely efficiently and in a way that taps into those higher needs of the people that are working uh, for you. And there's some lines from the book that I want to share with you that, uh, came you know early on in the book that I think kind of helped paint the picture. And I guess they're they're not all necessarily lines, more uh, they're kind of just concepts. And the first concept is uh, we used to live in a world where it was a top-down leadership style, meaning you know if you're at the top of that pyramid, the uh, the top of that hierarchy, everyone below you works for you. But now it's more of a side-by-side, or even further, uh, you flip the pyramid, and now everyone that works for your organization, uh, you actually now work for them. Um, so that is kind of one of the philosophies here that, you know, we have adopted in or adopted, but we've adapted and changed the way we operate. And the thing is today, uh, our most basic needs are so easily met like food and shelter that people need, uh, you know, it's not enough for them just to go to work to meet those needs because now those needs are being met. They want to meet their higher needs, which is knowing that their work is contributing towards something greater, that they're growing personally, that they're, uh, you know, just belonging to something that resonates with their core. This type of leadership style where you work side by side in four people and help them reach their goals, it helps inspire people and it, and it, it helps motivate people and it you know, it, it promotes innovation, and it's just a, a good way to, to lead your team. Um, another line that really stuck out to me is the, the most effective managers manage both themselves and the people in their organizations, so both the people and the organization will profit. Uh, and that just, I don't know, I just really like that. And, I mean, that's kind of one of the things why I'm sharing these books with you. So you, uh, the effective manager or owner, can help grow yourself and in, when you grow, the idea is if you can make yourself better, then your organization will become better. So that was a really cool line. Another line that really kind of stood out to me um, was, uh, here it is, uh, new managers, good managers, understand people are less willing to trade time on the job to satisfy their needs outside of work. And I think this is kind of just ties into that whole, you know, we got to tap into the higher needs because those basic needs are just being met. But this is so true especially in the restaurant industry where the people we're hiring you know they're not all of them aren't career uh, restaurant professionals they're in school these are their, their summer jobs or their right now jobs until the next thing comes and you have to understand that your restaurant is not their priority and um I think just having that mentality, I don't need to go any further, can really help you when you're trying to attract really great people uh, and just help them get to that next level. Help them connect with the people that will get them to where they're trying to go. If you help people and you help get them out of your restaurant, you'll be surprised at who they know that they'll send to you just because you're an awesome person. And that's a topic that's come up a few times on the show. Uh, 
But the point that I'm trying to drive home is that when you're able to put the needs of other people first and you create these happy people, they're going to attract more happy people. Uh, They're going to be producing better work. Happier people are more productive and they're going to attract just positivity to your restaurant. And the law of attraction says if you have positive people working for you, they're going to attract more positive people working for you, which is going to attract positive guests. And you see what's happening here. I'm starting to paint that picture for you. But the reason why I want to share this thought with you is because in the book, um, the the one-minute manager is talking to the young man. And he says to the young man, hey, look out the window. You see those two restaurants out there? One restaurant's always busy, and the other one's not busy. They have the same location. I mean, why do you think one restaurant's better than the other restaurant? And the young man says, well, better food. And then the one-minute manager says, well, it's probably more likely better people, right? Uh, When you have good people in your restaurant, good things happen. And these three secrets I'm about to share with you, these... Uh, Secrets of being a one-minute manager will help you get good people and keep people happy, and um, you'll have more business because of it. So, shall we dive into the first of the three secrets of being a one-minute manager? All right. Uh, (laughs) All right. The first secret is setting one-minute goals. For fun, let's just think for a second. Um, How many times do you talk to people and uh, you ask them what their job is, and they give you a description of their job, and then you go to their boss, and you ask their Bob, their, their boss, you know, what's the, the description of this person's job? All too often, the person that's doing the job and the boss of the person doing the job have two completely different descriptions of what that person's supposed to be doing and what their job entails. Um, and that's That falls on management, and one of the ways you can circumnavigate this happening so everyone's crystal clear on who does what and who's responsible for what, um, you set one-minute goals with your people. One-minute goals make it clear what the responsibilities of their teams are and what they're accountable for. So when you set these goals, instead of going out there and doing it all yourself and making all these goals for other people, make the person that's doing the job a part of the goal-setting process. Uh, walk them through it. But that this part of it kind of is what taps into those higher needs and makes people feel like you know they, they have control over their destiny and what they're doing because they're setting the, the goals themselves. Really, you're doing it together. You're guiding them down that course. But when they think that they're doing it, now they're working for themselves. And that's really powerful. When you're making these goals, they need to be written out precisely and due dates need to be set. That's a really big, uh, important part of this. Uh, you can't just give people goals and not give them deadlines. It's that deadline that makes them work and have something to uh, put a little bit of pressure uh, on them. And it's not pressure is not bad. Uh, it keeps people on task. So uh, make sure we're writing these goals down so they're clear, so there's no miscommunication, and that there's due dates set. Uh, make sure that they're emailing their goals to you or communicating their goals to you. Uh, it's important that you are in the loop of what the work that they're doing is so you can make sure they're staying on track for, to where you want them to go in the work you want them to do. Uh, when you're making these goals, uh, apply the 80-20 rule. If you're not familiar with the 80-20 rule, it states that 80% of your 
uh, yield or uh, your profits or whatever the uh, 80% of your total effect or the outcome comes from 20% of the work you're you're doing. So let me try to give you an example of where the 80-20 rule comes into effect the restaurant industry. So 20% of your customers give you 80% of your business. These are your loyal customers that come to your restaurant time and time again, that frequent you the most office, that tell people about what you're doing, that have connections with your staff. These are your regulars. It's usually only about 20% of the people that come to your restaurant are your regulars, and they give you 80% of your business. So that's what I'm talking about, the 80-20 rule. So when you're making these goals, what you do is you focus on the work that's going to yield 80% of the uh, total output of what what you're going for. I hope that makes sense. So the next thing to focus on with setting one minute goals is to ask the people or have the people that are working for you ask themselves is what I'm doing right now contributing towards my goals. Uh, and you always want to bring people back on center line. Like sometimes people drift and they get away from what their goals are and you want them to remember to constantly be looking at their goals. So they stay focused on what they're there to do. And uh, this really reminds me of uh, Napoleon Hill's advice of living intentionally and writing out what your definite purpose in life is. Um, have your employees write out what their definite purpose in working at your or at their job is or whatever duties they have. All right, so those are kind of all the, the bombs of knowledge that are shared in uh, the text of that first section of the book, which is setting one-minute goals. And what the author does really good in this book, and I have to commend them, he's really good at summarizing all the sections. So I'm going to go ahead now and just summarize uh, the big takeaways from setting one-minute goals. And uh, one-minute goals work well when... You plan the goal together and describe them briefly and clearly. Show the people what a good performance looks like. That's number one. Number two, have people write out each of their goals with their due dates on a single page. Number three, ask them to review their most important goals each day. Four, ask people to take a moment to look at what they're doing and see if their behavior matches their goals. And then five, if it doesn't, encourage people to rethink what they're doing so they can realize their goals. And that's kind of where you come in as the manager is you're having them email you their goals. And if you see people drifting, your job is to bring them back to center course. And that's what a good one minute manager does. So why does setting one minute goals work? It's hard for people to get excited for their work or about their work when they have nothing to aim for or they don't know what they're working for. So when you set these goals, it gives somebody a sense of achievement. And when you reach those due dates and your goals are being met, everybody's happier and they have something to go to work for every day. It's it just gives purpose and it can be really powerful. The author does a great job sharing a bowling analogy uh, in the book. And he says, you know, why do people love bowling? Because they see the pins get knocked down. When you're bowling, your aim, your goal is to knock the pins down and you have instant gratification feedback. When you let go of the ball and it knocks pins down, you know how you're doing. Now imagine if a big curtain went in front of the pins and you never knew 
how many pins you were knocking down, all of a sudden bowling wouldn't get fun or wouldn't be fun uh, because you don't know how well you're doing. And that's why having these goals and painting a clear picture is so beneficial. Um, Also, the number one motivator for all people is feedback on results. They want to know how they are doing. And when you can give them a clear picture of what a good job is supposed to look like, then they will know if they're doing well. All right, so that's the first part. Uh, The first uh, secret is setting those one-minute goals. So the next secret in the book is one-minute praisings. And like we just talked about, uh, when people don't know how they're doing, when they're not getting uh, feedback or they can't see if they're knocking all the pins down, then they're not going to get excited about their work. So when you praise them for doing a good job, they instantly know that they're on the right course, that they're getting that feedback, and it is just so motivating for them. So uh, that's what we're talking about here when we say praising, is just reinforcing that positive uh, good behavior. I mean, what this does is it lets people know that you appreciate them. It lets them know that you know that they have talent and it lets them know that you want to keep them when you are constantly reinforcing the positive behaviors. I mean, all too often uh, when people get feedback, it's because they're doing something wrong. Um, <laughs> and who wants that? Who wants to only be spoken to when they're doing something wrong? Uh, it's way more pleasant when your good behaviors are being noticed and you're getting spoken to to talk about how great you are. It really goes a long way. And one of the important things about uh, doing these one-minute praisings and giving this feedback, um, you have to pay attention. You have to uh, keep a close eye and keep close contact with your people. And one of the ways you can kind of do this and observe uh, your people without actually being right on top of them is leveraging technology. And this isn't in the book, but some of the tools that just came to my mind, some of the tools we've learned about, from our past guests, uh, tools that allow us to record data and put numbers to the, the activities that are happening in our restaurant or just to put explanations to the things that are happening in our restaurant. Um, Overo Slingshots, one tool I know that's been mentioned on the show that really allows us to track people's performances. Swipely is another tool that uses credit card processing, POS systems, and other software in the restaurant to really see how we're performing as a team. Uh, Hum is another great tool, which is just surveying, simply asking people how was your service and recording all that. But what these things do is it allows you to track the performance of your team and it gives you opportunities to then go to your team and praise them, which if you're always getting this feedback and always seeing what's going on, you're observing all this stuff. You should be just smothering your people with positive reinforcement. But you need the tools first. Um, There's a lot of POS systems and a lot of cool tools. These are just a few of the ones that have been mentioned on the show. Um, This is also why those uh, progress progress reports, these required progress reports are important, why people need to be sending you your their goals via email or whatever, text message, or you can use some of the scheduling software that really provides good communication, like Hot Schedules or Schedulefly or ShiftNote or Lunadesk or, I mean, When I Work, all these tools, I mean, they just provide so many communication opportunities today. So use the tools that are at 
at your disposal. And I think just the the big lesson to take away from this one minute praising is that uh, you're instilling confidence in your team. And uh, that confidence, when people are confident and they know what they're doing and they're doing it well, the product is just better. And that's all really important stuff. So just to summarize, and again, this book is really good at summarizing the driving home points, the key factors. Uh, One minute praisings work well when... You praise people as soon as possible from whatever it is that they're doing. Uh, When they do that action and it's done right, praise them immediately. Let people know what they did right and be specific. Uh, That was one and two. Three, tell people how good you feel about what they did right. It's not enough just to catch them doing it, but you have to let them know how good you feel and how excited you are about it. Number four, pause for a moment to allow people to feel good about what they've just done. You know, you want to pause and let what you just said to them sink in. Number five, encourage them to do more of the same thing. Um, So now that they have done it, they've absorbed it, encourage them to do it even more often. Six, make it clear you have confidence in them and support their success. Uh, your job as the manager, as the owner, is to serve them. You want them to know that you put them in that role for a reason because you're confident in them and that you support them in their success. That's the play-by-play. That's how you do it. And uh, one of the reasons, again, why I love this book is because it doesn't just tell you what to do. It tells you why what you're doing works well. And why taking the time to do these quick little one-minute praisings work well is because... All too often, we don't praise somebody until they do uh, whatever the job is, uh, until it's done exactly the way we want it. But when we're getting new people on board, they're not going to do the job exactly right in the beginning. So you want to praise the little things that they're doing right when it's approximately right. You guide them in the direction to constantly you know, take gradual steps towards that perfect picture of what the job done right looks like. So to give you an example, um, I'm dealing with this right now at the restaurant. We have this incredible busser who just came on board. Everyone loves him. The kid hustles. He's a good worker. We're lucky to have him, but he doesn't have any experience. So instead of giving him a, a, you know, service tray, one of those large service trays and saying, Hey, go out there. And I want you to be able to put three tables of dirty stuff all in this one tray and clear it in five minutes or less or two minutes or less. Um, I'm just telling him, hey, man, right now I just want you constantly moving, constantly looking for ways to be proactive to find out, you know, is our silverware low? Are we getting low on glasses? Or can we fill pitchers of water? Like, always be looking for something. Always be moving. If I see you standing still, you're doing something wrong. That's the most basic form of what I want him to be doing right is just always be moving, always be working. And when he got that down, I praised him. Man, you're killing it today. Now, I want you to never come from the dining room to the kitchen with empty hands. I want you to always have something in your hands when you're coming in. And he started doing a great job. I just, you know, pushed him a little bit further down the line of something that's the perfect picture. And now what I'm having him do is never go without having a service tray in your hands. I want you filling that service tray every time you come back into the kitchen and we're developing his skills and he can now manage all of the stuff. He can like load up a large service tray and he's a fast learner, but he would have never been able to 
have that progress if I didn't give him the baby steps and constantly just reinforce that positive behavior. And that's an example of how you can use these one minute praisings to really get that ultimate picture you want. So again, just to summarize, if you wait until you see that person doing that job exactly right, if he came in on his first day and I told him to load up the tray, I would have been setting him up for failure because he wouldn't have worked out those little fine skills that would have prepared him for being able to carry that tray, uh, a full tray of plates, silverware, glasses. Uh, he would have probably dropped the tray and then he would have been discouraged. So... Uh, that is why one minute praising works well. We are on to the third secret of becoming a one minute manager, and that is the one minute redirect. So we experience this. I'm guilty of this. I know we all are. I mean, I'm somebody who, uh, when bad things happen, I store it up, I store it up, I store it up until I hit a breaking point, and I'll just unload all these things that piss me off about what somebody's doing all on them at once. I think that's just kind of the human nature. We just, we, we function that way. Like we keep our mouth shut until we just hit this breaking point and we just go bleh and crap all over somebody. Um, and that's kind of what happens, uh, when people do their performance reviews. If you do like a, a six month performance review or a, a one year performance review, um, Usually what will happen is the manager will wait to dump all these things on them until that point. I mean, I'm sure there'll be good things said too, but usually all the bad things just get dumped in that person, which has that person just feeling like they got walloped with a bunch of negativity and nobody wants that. So what a one minute redirect does is basically you catch people doing things uh, or you catch negative behaviors when they're happening. And I put the emphasis on behaviors because really when you're, uh, when you're correcting people, when you're redirecting them, you're pointing out their bad behavior. You're not saying they're bad or they're doing a bad job. You're just saying that behavior they just displayed was bad. And that puts the negativity not on them as a human, but them as uh, or the, the thing they did. So when things go wrong or someone makes mistakes, we want to conduct a one-minute redirect. And what the redirect does is it helps get back on track or shows the person, uh, you know, redirects them to what a good job looks like. And you show them, you paint that picture for them. It helps them see what needs to be done differently. The first thing you need to do when you're conducting a redirect is first make sure the goal that you set originally was communicated clearly. Maybe they think they're doing the right job because you failed as the manager to provide them with the tools to clearly spell out what a good job looks like. So first, make sure it's not on you. If it's not on you and it's on them, you break the one-minute redirect into two halves. The first half focuses on the mistake, the poor behavior, and the second half focuses on the person. So when you've confirmed that the goal was clear, you gave them the tools, they know what their job is, and they still made the mistake, uh, the one-minute redirect works well when you first, and this is the first half minute, this is what you need to do. One, redirect the person as soon as possible. You want to address this issue as closely as possible to when it happened. Com this is number two, confirm the facts first and be specific. So make sure you get the facts and uh, make sure you're being specific about what the right job looks like. 
express how you feel about the mistake and its impact on the results of your operation. People need to know why these mistakes are bad and what happens because of the mistakes. And it's your job to educate them on the results and the outcomes of the mistake they just made. The fourth step is to just pause and be quiet for a moment and uh, let the person reflect on what they've done and the impact it has. Uh, Just let it sink in. And that's the first 30 seconds. The second half minute, the last 30 seconds, the first thing you do in that second half minute is remember to let them know that they are better than their mistake. Know that they are better than that and make sure that they know that they're better than that and let them know you have hope in them as a professional. Number two, remind them that you have confidence and trust in them and support their success. You want them to know that they're in that position because you know they can do a kick-ass job and you got to support that and reinforce that. Then number three, realize when the redirect is over, it's over. Drop it. It's done. Everyone makes mistakes. And we don't need to bring this embarrassing moment to the surface again. Bury it, move on, move forward. And if the person who's on your team is new and they're making mistakes, make sure that redirect is very light and mild. You don't want to take somebody who's all bright-eyed and bubbly and new to the team and kind of crush them early on. Um, They'll just get discouraged. Nobody will benefit. So now we're going to talk about why one-minute redirects work. Because... When you catch all these things and you catch them while they're happening, uh, the redirects happen in small doses and people don't really get crushed as easily. And you are always ending with the positive. Like, you're not getting on them themselves, who they are, but on what they did, their behavior that was bad. And you always end with the positive, we love you, we know what you're capable of, we like you, you just had a mistake. And always end with you know they can do better and there's a reason why they're in that position um and just it's really really important that you do always start tough and then end nice so come down on the bad behavior but then end on a positive note about we have you in this position because we know what you're capable of and just always end positively it has a big impact So there you have it. Those are the three secrets to becoming a one-minute manager. And uh, just some final thoughts here. Uh, One quote at the end of the book that uh, was said from the manager, the the one-minute manager. He says, The best minute I spend is the one I invest in people. I mean, so many people, it's kind of ironic, so many companies spend so much on the budgets of their people But they spend so little on developing their people. And, I mean, we have to make sure our our staff, they're always growing, they're always developing, they're always just getting a little bit better. And there's so many tools that exist. I mean, a lot of tools that are just even mentioned on the the show, like Restaurant Rockstars, like WeightTrainer.com, all these different consultants I've had on the show. Consider investing in a consultant and bringing them on. I mean... You've got to invest in growing your people, and really the first place you need to invest is in yourself, because once you can grow yourself, others will learn from you. So, I mean, books are another great way to invest in your people. Um, Spend the money 
to invest in yourself, to learn yourself, and so then you can grow your people. And this is one of those books that are out there that's just a must-read. Again, it's The One-Minute Manager. Um, this book is only 112 pages long, guys. It's a super easy read. And if you choose to pick it up on audio audibletrials.com slash unstoppable you can get this book for free and you can listen to it in less than an hour and a half (laughs) like an hour and a half of your time and you can get the full version of what I gave you today and you can even expedite that by just hitting times two or times three and listen to it at a faster than recorded rate and make the most of your time but it all starts with you pulling the trigger and investing in yourself in a giving yourself this content, these resources are right at your fingertips. So I'll have the links to this uh, book in the show notes in a quick uh, summary of the three secrets to becoming a one-minute manager. And um, I'll have the links to audibletrial.com slash unstoppable. And please do keep in mind, if you use my links, I do get a commission. It's how I can keep this podcast free for you, there's no upcharge when you use my links. I would recommend these services, these tools, regardless, uh, but just use my links and that way we can keep on pumping out this content free. So, thank you in advance for using the links. You can find all these links at restaurantunstoppable.com slash one minute manager. Uh, we'll also have, you know, we'll have the links to the book itself, the link to audibletrial.com, and a link to all the products and services mentioned in today's show. And uh, I hope you guys found value in this episode. I know I loved this book and I'm hoping you guys love it too. So until next time, peace out.